It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Wasn't expecting that, Jake. And now you, because I was good at oh, it's fine. And now you're going to believe us, is uh, the, uh, the the tone of the weekend, I think. And now you are going to believe us. Everton supporters away at Swansea singing their hearts out, saying that their side is going to go on and be league champions with me, Neil Atkinson, as Dave Downey. We've got Jake producing us with uh, random Christmas music throughout the whole show. Jake is what I now want. We'll make this thematically strong somehow. Uh, just keep dropping it in. Now you're going to believe us, Dave Downey. <coughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so um, so silly and premature as to sing that myself. But why wouldn't uh, you? Be, well, because there's a lot of pitfalls potentially in singing that song, and we almost seen it immediately because Swansea scored as soon as we started singing it. Um, that doesn't mean to say I don't think Evan can't be considered title challengers. I put that on Twitter this week. If you're two points off the top of the league, similarly to Liverpool, we were just off the top of the league at the time. I don't think, it, you know, it, it, you can't say they're not title challengers at this stage. Come May, it might be a totally different situation. It might be battling for sixth and seventh again. We don't know. But at this moment in time, Everton and Liverpool, 17 games gone, are challenging for the Premier League title. They are. And so why don't you believe them? Well, why can't you believe them? I mean, this is the thing. The thing here is, I think I had this with Andy Heaton. Uh, me and a very drunk Mike Nevin uh, had an exchange with Andy Heaton. <laughs> the joys the of game. that, by the oh, way. Oh, he's glorious. Yeah. And uh, he was giving me down the banks, but he gave Andy <coughs> down the banks, uh, <coughs> mostly with um, abrasive language. But when Andy was, Andy just sort of went, nah. There's no way we see this through. And Mike went berserk at him and said, why Why don't you think that we can see this through? Why not? Why not us? Why not us? And I'd, I'd say the same thing from an Evertonian perspective. Why not us? We've lost, we've lost the fewest games in the division. We've lost the fewest games in the country. We're in great form. We look like we're going to score two goals a game. Yeah. Why not us? It still looks like uh, we draw too many games. If, you, if, you're to, if you're talking about out-and-out Premier League winners, there's a few attributes that I think Everton falls short in, a few categories. I think we fall short in the main one being squad depth. I think it was it was it was visible yesterday at that point because we get they get it back to one all and then all of a sudden you are looking and thinking, hang on, who's our game changer here? It would have been Dale Lafayou. Uh, he wasn't on the bench. We had to put Stephen Naismith on and Leon Osman. Now that doesn't mean to say we haven't got the talent in the first eleven to go out and win that game two one, which we we went we went on to do with Ross Barkley scoring that fantastic free kick. But I think. There's going to be times when Everton need a game-changing substitution. Martinez has played that card fantastically well so far. But if we pick up injuries, Dale are failed the case in point. I don't think there's that many on the bench or in the squad that can come on and get that late goal. Those incidents that happened against Swansea yesterday, they happen a lot to sides that win the title. I don't think Everton have the personnel for that to happen to Every time it's needed, if you get what I mean. If you go one all through a jammy goal with 10 minutes to go and you're looking for someone to step up, I don't think Everton have got that person either in the first 11 or on the bench to do it week in, week out. You see, I think this is, I think this is fascinating because I think that... Every side across the country right now can make the argument. When I say every side, I obviously mean of the of the top six, seven, eight. Uh, if you include David Moyes, Manchester United, can make the arguments as to why they won't be able to win the league. Mm. Arsenal can still be looking at it and going, "We haven't got a centre forward. <coughs> We've only got Shiru, who's, who's done really well, but running ourselves into the ground." You can already see the damage that the yards on the clock is doing, and I think tonight's game could be 
interesting in that regard against Chelsea. If I was Mourinho, um, being as cynical and horrific as he is, and as I am, I would be very much telling my boys that we just keep it very, very tight for 70 and this Arsenal side will punch themselves out. Mm. Um, you know, I think that everyone can come up with a... If you're Chelsea, you're looking at it going, we haven't got the centre-forward we need to do what we want to do. Uh, and we lack maybe another one or two of the sort of players you've just referred to. Hazard did it recently at Sunderland. Yeah. Do they need one or two more around to make that sort of thing happen? Liverpool can say we've got questions over our depth. Uh, we've got question marks in two or three areas. Manchester City can say we can't get going on the road. We don't seem able to get going on the road. And right now, we haven't got a fit right back. Well, I, I think all of this sort of plays into Man City's hands because they have got the depth and they have got those games. But they haven't got a right back. Exactly. Uh, th- that's why it's so interesting because... Those categories that I mentioned, obviously squad depth, and you're looking at you know fitness, stamina, um, you know quality in the final third, which I think Everton also lack at times. Uh, sometimes, I mean, Kevin Morales got the ball in some fantastic positions yesterday, and it was like it was like Sunday League football. It was like, oh, what do I do now? And it was his decision making was was appalling actually, and I've questioned his decision making for a while, but. I'm not necessarily sure he's playing in the right role. I've seen, interestingly, uh, Perdy presents the Blue Rumours putting on Twitter today. We may see Morales start up front. He'd like to see Morales start up front one game over the festive period. I think Lukaku may need a break as well. Um, all that said, I think it points to a massive January for both of them. I think, you know... I think, it, every, I think every side in the, ne- in the league needs a massive January apart from possibly City. Yeah. I think every side would not be looking at United didn't buy in the summer and I think that every side in the country now will be looking at January as though what can we do in January What? how can we we have holes how do we manage to fill these holes mm. in January and I think that that's absolutely fascinating you know I don't know what's in the kitty for um, for, for, for Martinez I think it's difficult it's difficult to know that at Everton on any sort of consistent basis is he looking at another one or two lads on loan maybe there's, there could there's be worse things to do there's, there's been a few points throughout when Moyes was in charge where there's You've looked at it and you've thought there's a potential watershed moment here for Everton in terms of investing in the playing staff. And the one time was obviously when we finished fourth that summer. Required five, six players to come in to um, supplement the Champions League push. This feels like another one of them. The good thing about it this time is there is money there without a shadow of doubt. I don't care what anybody says, whether it's going to banks or whatever. There's money left off Fellaini there. I think the net spend's still minus under Martinez. And he was promised money in the summer before anybody was sold. So I think it's a massive, massive chance for Everton to go and make a statement of intent. Martinez this week's also said that he's got clubs all over Europe. Everton are the, Everton are the, uh, the you know, the, the fashionable side to loan players too now, apparently. Mm. I've heard all sorts of rumours today about El Shirawi as well from, yep. from AC Milan. I mean, it was pie in the sky, of course. But if he's saying that, then you would think he's got a few things up his sleeve. It one of them has to be a backup striker. One of them has to be. It would make sense to loan players to Everton. I think if you were, if, if yeah. you if you were some of Europe's elite clubs right now, because you know exactly how Martinez will get them playing. You know what what he'll want of his players. Mm. You know, I think that it's. I think loaning players is a very very difficult thing to do. I think it's something that Liverpool have struggled to do lower down the league because you've essentially end up lashing the players out and they, you don't know if they're going to get picked. You, you've got no control over if they do get picked where on the pitch they play or what's asked of them at the moment. It sounds like when <coughs> you hear mm. wisdom. Is doing well mm. at Derby and Derby are doing well for Wisdom they're the, the helping you know develop him as, as yeah. you want him to be developed that, that that was what was interesting the Will Hughes discussion with uh, with, with, with Rogers in the context of you know we, we want 
players to be in the best possible environment for them. So I think it's difficult, and I think that Martinez could well appeal, and Everton could appeal, because you're playing in front of a big crowd, you're playing for a big side, you're doing that week in, week out. You know, it's got to therefore be attractive. You're being asked to play football the way in which you'll play football the clubs when you come back. You know, I think that it's got to be a very, very attractive move. It's not It's not akin to going to Stoke. You know, it's not akin to going to Norwich. You're going they feel to... like dead-end moves, don't they? When exactly, yeah. Go and do that. I think that it's, I think it'd be big and significant. But I just think it's... What's most significant, I think, this weekend is the absolute joy that's suddenly been found in, in what, what's happening in this league table in what's happening in this this odd oddest of seasons and that suddenly you know Thursday night for Liverpool feels like such a huge game of football uh, against Manchester City mm. it feels like it's got it's, uh, but but simultaneously and I sort of came to this conclusion uh, whilst we were doing the on-field rap Liverpool can actually go in with not much to lose, no one really expects necessarily Liverpool to get anything out of the game in a coherent sense. City have won eight out of eight at home. The home record for two seasons has been excellent, truly excellent. Uh, so therefore, Liverpool can go into it and, and maybe slightly differently to the way in which they might have to approach the Chelsea game and have the mentality of, well, what we get from this is almost a bonus. And that therefore, then Liverpool can cut loose. Mm. They can absolutely cut loose and approach it a little bit as have we've been speaking about how Martinez approaches things when he goes to Arsenal and says... We're not going to come here to try to get a point. We're going to come here to play you off the park. And I think Liverpool are in a position to do that to Manchester City on a Thursday, to, to approach the game not as we're going to see, we're going to kill ourselves to get everything we can out of this football match. Instead, we're coming to be better than you. We're coming to your ground to be better than you. It's that word to get arrogance, isn't it? That's how you've got to approach this sort of thing. I think, you know, look, looking at the fixtures, I'd be disappointed if I was a Liverpool fan and you didn't get anything from Chelsea. I, I think Chelsea can be got at. Chelsea are... are a poor at the moment, I think, by their standards, which is you know it's a fearful prospect when you think that they're only one point or what is it two points off top? Yeah, it's three off top at the moment. Um, I think that's the game you look at where you think we'll get something out well, of these. The key thing about Chelsea is about about, about that game is they play in Arsenal tonight, they play on Boxing Day, and then they play in Liverpool on Sunday. So they literally have got three games in six days. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> The big worry for me going to Chelsea is having gone to Manchester City first. <laughs> Liverpool are pretty much going to play the the same eleven now across the, because he played the, the unchanged side from Spurs. It's now going to be the, the same eleven across these the, these four football matches, and that concerns me a little bit uh, from a Liverpool point of view. I think that's whereas Chelsea don't have to do that; they can make changes and they can freshen. Um, and City they play us, and then their next home game on the Saturday or the Sunday is, do you know. Crystal Palace. Mm. So they can very much say, you know, we're three points against Liverpool, target the life out of that, and if I need yeah. to make seven changes, I still expect to get a result against Crystal Palace. Mm. Uh, whereas I think Liverpool have got to try and manage themselves a little bit more. But I'd still be, you know, I'd be saying to the lads, you can put it all on the line in these two games. These two games are, what you know, what is the limit of your ambition if you're Liverpool Football Club? Suarez is coming, walking around saying he wants to win the league with Liverpool. And genuinely, and this is the thing now, Liverpool could come forth this, seat, this summer and the league could be harder for them to win next season, given what's likely yeah, to happen at Manchester City, yeah. what's likely to happen at Manchester United, what's likely to happen at Chelsea over the next period of time. Liverpool will have to continue to improve, whereas Liverpool might find it easier to just kick on right the way through this season when everyone else is still a little bit confused. I think... I still think it comes down to, and this is why I think Everton can win the league. This is why I think Everton can win the league, because I think... Jake, take that off. This, we can put this on our breaks. That's, that's fine, that's fine. This is why I think... I'm going to explain why I think Everton can win the league. <coughs> I think Everton can get 80 points. And that's why I think Everton can win the league. 
And I think that's the, the current question, I think, isn't who can win the leagues and all thing because... Let, let's be open and honest about this compare the, where it is now to where it was this time last season when United were already eight points clear of City who were in turn six points clear of the side behind them it's not like that at that point only two sides could win the league and realistically only one could mm. right now the key question is how many points will it take to win the league because I think if it takes more than 90 points then probably only Manchester City and Chelsea can win the league but if it takes 80 points to be champions this season, which as we go into what's approximately the halfway mark is in the ballpark of where it's likely to be, where, where, where everyone is on 19 games. If the season continues like this, then I think Everton can get 80 points. And I think Liverpool can get 80 points. I was saying the other day that there's going to be, uh, I say top sides, you look at that top six now. And then this is where we were talking about the gap last week. I thought... Yesterday, Everton's win was the difference between being the right or wrong side of that gap. Uh, even though they still would have been in touch with the top four with the draw, um, there's still that gap developing now. There's still four points to the team below us. Uh, sorry, below Chelsea. Um, you know, it, it's there's going to be decent sides who've had a fantastic season who are going to miss out completely. Yeah. And as an Evertonian, it's going to be heartbreaking to take if we're one of those sides. On the other side of that coin, I completely agree with you. I think... 80 is it's it's gettable isn't it I mean you look at Everton could feasibly be on 40 points after 19 exactly having drawn a lot of games as well having been to the Emirates having been to Old Trafford having been to the Etihad so yeah I can I can, I can understand that but I I, can, I just can't help but feel that Chelsea or City will well, pull away if what I, I think that the, 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 the reason why I hope and why I think <laughs> something serious can happen from Liverpool's perspective is because I don't entirely understand why they haven't pulled away yet uh, I don't quite see what changes for them unless it is as straightforward sure, as yeah. in, the, in, the, in the January window Chelsea go and buy some lad who comes in and like Ronnie Rosenthal scores 21 in 19 and is you know is, is unbeatable and is a force of nature who plays the way Mourinho wants to play I don't even know who that player is and I don't know entirely why he goes to Chelsea you know what I mean As this, if that lad was easy and obvious then yeah. why isn't he there now already Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Uh, that lad is effectively Lukaku and we all know that mm. but that's a separate conversation you know and and again, you know, do you buy that player therefore knowing that you've got Lukaku coming back? Mm. You know, all that sort of stuff is up for grabs and becomes part of the conversation. You know, I don't quite see where City go and spend the money. They've got what they've got. They've got a terrific squad. So I don't quite see what changes for them. Uh, if it's as simple as they just basically, the other sides grow weaker, they get a little bit stronger, a little bit more used to what the manager does or doesn't want. Um, you know, maybe they occasionally go to a five-man midfield away from home a little bit more than they have been doing. But they've still got to come to Anfield the second half of the season. They've still got to go to Goodison in the second half of the season. They've still got to go to Manchester United in the second half of the season. The idea that, you know... All these ills will be cured very, very quickly is, I think, a little, you know, hopeful. So that's why I think the sides who are doing what they're currently doing, and I actually think that the two sides playing the best football in the country at the moment are Liverpool and Everton. Yeah. I think I think a month and a half ago it was clearly Arsenal. Right now I think the two sides playing the two best football best football in the country over the last three to five games is Liverpool and Everton, uh, with City not far behind. Mm. 
Uh, and that's what makes Thursday's game such an intriguing prospect. T- tonight's game, I, I, I can't make my mind up about it. I don't know whether I want to draw. I don't know whether I want a Chelsea win. I don't know whether I want an Arsenal win. Either way you look at it, I mean, Everton and Liverpool do benefit in a way. Well, there's no bad results for Liverpool no. and Everton, but then there's one of those games that, like, in the same way that there's no real bad result for Everton when Liverpool goes to City. Yeah. There's no real bad result for that one. There's no real bad result for Everton when Liverpool goes to Chelsea. The key thing is, and this is where, again, I begin to contradict myself, but my key thing is, just keep putting the points on the board. Mm-hmm. Just keep putting... All, all you've got to do is keep... Because there's a target. And if you break 80, you know, I'll, I'll say now, I think it's very unrealistic for Everton to break... 90. I think it's very unrealistic for Liverpool to break 90. But I do think that I'd be disappointed. I would expect now one of those two sides to get at the very least 76 points. To get what is two points a game throughout the course of the season. At least one of them. And conceivably both. And that's now where we are. That's now the realistic situation. Because if you can't say they've done it for 19 games then what can you say? Yeah. You can never say anything. If you can't say it over 19 games, then you might as well never, ever predict or discuss anything. Exactly, but this is the point where I'm saying why they've got to be considered challengers. Exactly. You, your team's top of the league, you can't say you're not a title challenger. And, exa- and this is why, I, you know, the naysaying and the try and keep it calm and try yeah. and keep it relaxed. And we're going back to the idea of what it is or isn't to be a football supporter. Well, no. Is there anything wrong with getting excited about it? There's no, because you're paying 50 quid a week for this. You yeah. might as well genuinely get excited. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk more about excitement after the break. We're going to also want to talk about Liverpool at the weekend, what they did well, what they did less well and then we'll talk about Everton at Swansea as well don't go anywhere this is all in the game Neil Atkinson Dave Downey I think I still think it comes down to and this is why I think Everton can win the league this is why I think Everton can win the league because I think Jake take that off we can put this on our breaks that's that's fine that's fine this is why I think I'm going to explain why I think Everton can win the league Merry Christmas from Radio City Sport it's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. City Talk 105.9, Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. That wasn't what was playing in sound after Liverpool played West Ham uh, Cardiff City at the weekend. Uh, what was played instead was a set of uh, favourites. It was excellently done. It was a great night. Um, I recommend it very, very highly indeed. And well into the lads at Boss for sorting all that out and putting it on. And thanks for everyone who came up and said hello and all that sort of stuff and had a chat. Uh, I want to give a shout out to, I think, Ian and Frank, uh, or it might have been Joey. Basically, there was two fellas who came up and went, I want you to give a shout out to the radio. You had. That is indicative of how much ale I had. But they were very, very enthusiastic about many things in life. And one <laughs> of those was uh, was the brilliance of Liverpool Football Club. And it was, it was great to be in that sort of environment. And what this was the thing. You're in there with the hardcore Liverpool support, Dave, and these lads are far more hardcore than I am. And they're uh, they're all looking at you, and some of them have been around years, and some of them are, are wet behind the ears, and they're all looking at you going, we're going to win the league, you know. <laughs> going to win the league, you know, and it's going to be amazing. Um, and everyone's now trying to get their head around what happens if Liverpool actually do win the league. And this is what I wanted to talk about, because it's suddenly, it's so fantastic to be around so much genuine hope and expectation. Like Max, and optimism. <laughs> It'll be like Mad Max. Uh, to be around so much hope and, and expectation and optimism on both sides not just one you just pointed out to me at half time mm-hmm. sorry in that break at half time in that break that you know you, you, you're reading things in the paper and it's saying Everton are two points are two points off um Two points off top, not two points off fourth. Two points yeah. off top, and you know this is the the, the energy is absolutely fantastic. And you know, town was absolutely bouncing after Liverpool versus Cardiff, and I actually had to go out sadly, so I actually missed Barkley's goal uh, in the in, in the Swansea Everton game. But I went out in town, and the energy that rushed out mm-hmm. to the pubs as soon as the match finished, you know what I mean? It was it was fiery, and it's it's a phenomenal thing to see, and it's something which you know the city really genuinely hasn't had since about 1988 no. with both sides similar 
simultaneously giving it everything that they've got in this manner. And it's it is fantastic. And as I say, you know, you you didn't when I was in Sound, you know, the songs going for Jordan Henderson repeatedly and all this sort of stuff. And Jordan Henderson was fantastic yeah, for was, Liverpool yeah. in, the, in the first half, especially against Cardiff City. And this feels you don't want to get premature about any of this, but from the West Ham game onwards at home, Liverpool have really felt like a side who were genuinely working out exactly who it is that they want to be. And it's easy to get too carried away off what's effectively three games uh, in that sense of West There's everything that had gone before, but of West Ham, Spurs, and what happened against Cardiff in the first half especially. You know, it's easy to get carried away, but suddenly mm. there's lots of people whose game's gone up, not one level, not two levels, but it feels like three or four levels, and very, very, you know, very, very quickly. Suddenly, Henderson is, you know, he's setting up, he's setting up three goals a game or something crazy like that. Yeah. You know, on top of Suarez doing all the crazy things that Suarez he is cemented doing. his identity. Jordan Henderson has named recent weeks. He, he, he looks like he knows what he wants. I was uh, making a comparison uh, a while back between him and, funny enough, Jack Rodwell, and I was saying it's about the both of them. They had that. All the best attributes in the world, but they were just too nice. You look at Henderson now, and there is a, an aggression and a grit and a determination about his game. You know, when he's going shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with players, when he's running um, toe-to-toe with players, sprinting for balls, he has the belief that he's better than that other lad. Yeah. And that's the difference with him. And that's huge. You know, he's, he's, he's set up two goals at back heels in two weeks. This is something which, you know, mm. footballers tend not to get to do, to, to, to be doing it in that area. And it's something that's beyond, and I've, I've argued before on this, that I don't think form exists on this show, really. Mm. That form is essentially when, when fitness and mentality link into one another. Uh, and I, I would say that that's very much what's happened with Jordan Henderson. He looks a little bigger, whether or not that's just how he's carrying himself. You know, he's, he's, he's in fabulous shape, and I think it's, it's great to see, really, that the the lads can 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 suddenly produce this sort of stuff, but it isn't just him. Sterling looks quicker. He seems happier to cut loose and run. You know, you're looking at um, you're looking at Joe Allen. Joe Allen looks a completely different player to the one who's played at times in his first. Uh, set of games at Liverpool you know you're looking at Lucas Lever, who stepped right up as well and is, 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 is passing the ball with such confidence and such panache Do you think with the likes of Alan Henderson they've almost previously been overawed and intimidated by hang on I'm playing for Liverpool Football Club here now when in fact you look at the attitude of both of them particularly Henderson and you think hang on this lad knows he can be top dog here he knows he can rise above that I think that's a huge issue, uh, and I think that's something which, you know, uh, Rogers has tried to talk about and talked about and talked about is the, is the weight of the shirt, and I think that's a significant thing, but I think what's also significant is um, something which Rob Gutman pointed out to me, which is that Liverpool, this calendar year, have now played... Uh, a number of games against um, the, what we can call the top six, the top eight. We can include Everton in there. That I am including Everton in there. City, Arsenal, Spurs, Manchester United. Um, and there's one other that I can't think of off the top of my head. And they have... Oh, Arsenal. And they have won... Sorry, won three of those games. Uh, one against United and two against Spurs. They've lost two. One against Arsenal and one against uh, Manchester United at the start of the Genius. year. And they've drawn the rest. And I think this is critical. If this is a side that's growing, well, that's what it's growing from. That's what it was doing before you get to this most recent Spurs game. That's where it was. It was at that point 2-1, two lost, and the rest of them drawn. And now, you know, going into these two big games coming up, in our heads, the collective heads, there was, you know, there was reasons to, to say, well, Liverpool haven't looked good against the bigger sides, and this is why. But they haven't looked that bad. In terms of a, in a, a WDL format, mm. they hadn't looked that bad. Um, they hadn't looked as good as you wanted. But suddenly now there is that feeling that if these players who have 
previously been drawing a lot of these games have all gone up 10-15% then and then it gets interesting as we come into these next two games against Manchester City and Chelsea so I think it's I think it's hugely uh, the thing that's been overlooked at Liverpool and I want to talk about Liverpool in this part I want to talk about Everton in the yeah. next part um, that's also been overlooked at Liverpool is the manager's played a massive part in this. Somehow, the manager is... He, he's reminding me at times vaguely of Ed Miliband in that he's a man who's having a series of victories but not nowhere near enough of them are being, are being, uh, are being credited to him. Yeah. And he's very, very much now... He appears very comfortable in his own skin. He appears to be trying to make say fewer things that are quotable uh, which was the issue not just with the television programme but also around a lot of his early utterances things like we will pass them to death mm. we will die on the, and all this sort of stuff you know he's, he appears to now be talking like a human um, and coming across very much you know coming across quite differently but it's critically down to what his side are doing on the pitch and what his side are doing on the pitch is now the most exciting football in the country which you know even earlier this season when they, when they were getting wins and all that sort of stuff it wasn't but this now you look at it and it's the most exciting football in the country and on the Anfield rap we had a guy on who said that the side who's gone to City and you might not believe this and given them the toughest game so far this season is Everton mm-hmm. that Everton's first half is the most anyone's gone at City so far this season and you look at this Liverpool side and there is no way Dave that they're not going to go at City on Thursday because they haven't got the option to do anything else. No, it's a mouthwatering prospect it is to see two sides literally going head to head. It was sort of the the feeling I had before Spurs at Southampton yesterday. I was looking at Tim Sherwood's team sheet. I thought, what what's he doing here? This is this is what you want to see in training, you know, or a five a side game. Just attacking players, uh, teams going gun ho for it. Now, where I think Liverpool may well do City is the the fact that when they beat Spurs last week, there was this disciplined, relentless attacking play from Liverpool. And it, it wasn't... You know, when teams go and win games 5-0, you often think, but hang on, the other team missed a chance at 2-1 or... at uh, 2-0 or, you know, they missed a chance to get back in the game or they missed a few or they hit the mm. post. There was none of that. This was disciplined relentlessness. You know, I suppose it's contradicting in terms, but... Liverpool looked like they were they were attacking at will, but it was controlled. It was it wasn't like hang on, if we don't score off this attack, they've got every chance of going up the other end and scoring. It was it was disciplined. Yeah, you, you know, you had a structure to how you were attacking teams. There was a rhythm and a tempo about it. And I think if you can take that to City, I I, I think I think it's there for Liverpool to, to do something big at City. I really do. They're going to have chances. Let you know. You, I, I think Skirtle's a worry. Um, he's been really really. You know, towing a really thin line lately with these, um, you know, pulling people in the box and things like that. You know, that sort of thing when it's typed in the media, which it has been, you're going to see referees getting onto that. I think that's a little bit of a concern. But other than that, Liverpool looks so disciplined, even when they're attacking. With a view to you know what what's going to happen if the other team get the ball, I think that we look. I think we've suddenly gone from looking like a side that doesn't know what it's doing in transition to a side that knows exactly yeah, yeah. what it's doing in transition, and it's you know it's it, it's a huge step I think, and I expect Liverpool to concede against Manchester City. It would be foolish not to. <coughs> I would like to think it may even form part of the manager's team talk. You know, you, we're not letting anyone off the hook here, lads. But these are good. At some point, they're likely to get a foothold in the game. You come into their grounds and they're going to come. They're going to get at you, and they're yeah. likely to get a goal, at least one. But you can get two. If they get two, you can get three. And if you get, they get three, you can get four. And this is mad for me because this isn't the football that I sort of grow, grew up with. And it's not Liverpool football. Uh, I think there's a lot of myths talked about what, what effectively um, creates Kenny Dalglish's 87-88 team 
combines it with the Evans era team into this idea that Liverpool play have, have always historically played endless attacking football. The key thing about what was so remarkable about, about Liverpool a Spurs nil Liverpool five was I very much struggle to think of a game under uh, Bob Paisley where Liverpool have gone away from home to a top side and absolutely battered them like that. One of the few ones, and this isn't this isn't banter or needle, and Liverpool fans still sing about it for this reason, yeah. is they went to Goodison and won 5 That's still week, sung about. They're the game, when we were talking to Rory on the phone as well, those were the, the rare results, the big results that everyone remembers exactly. for the generation. Exactly, and that's why it stands yeah. out, and that's why you know Liverpool supporters still sing about that, because because of what Ian Rush did, because it, you don't do that. Mm. Whereas you've currently got a lad now in Suarez who's going and scoring at an alarming rate and everything sort of seems possible best stat I heard this weekend by the way sorry to interrupt you Suarez if he plays between now and if he plays every game now to the end of the season for Liverpool in the league and doesn't score he still has averaged one in two <laughs> that is unbelievable that is isn't it That's he can go on the biggest goal scoring drought ever and finish one in two and possibly finish up as the highest scorer. Yeah. Although that depends on well, what it was. I've seen on Twitter someone put that seven of the last 20 seasons, 19 goals has been enough to win. Yeah. Be top scorer. R- just ridiculous, isn't it? It's just. You run out of superlatives. It almost gets boring now. Well, it's, it, it, it's <laughs> ridiculous what he's doing. But again, because of what he's doing and because it's so superhuman, you've got to, you've got to pull it back to the manager because the manager's creating the space for him to do this. The manager's. Allowed, he's brought about the environment which gets the very best out of him. He's got the players playing around him in a manner that brings the very best out of him and him the very best out of them at the moment. I mean, let's hope it continues. You know, gets the very, very best out of them. And there was always this thing when Guardiola was at um, was at Barca, and people would say, "Yeah, but you know, it's Messi in it," but not. Not acknowledging the fact that Messi had been there before yeah. he got there, that he'd changed a number of things to get the very best out of Messi. And then, yeah, Messi then gets to be Messi. He gets to go and do Messi things, but simultaneously, he's not banging in the goals at the same rate for Argentina. And there's a reason, and yeah. a lot of the times he's playing poorer sides, sides that don't play together every week at international level, well, and yet he's ne- not doing that there. That's the age old argument, isn't it, when you see. Uh, a manager like, for instance, Mourinho, you were looking at Chelsea Arsenal highlights here. You, know, you look at Mourinho inherits a top side that's won Europe's best two competitions in the last two seasons. You know, people automatically say, well, hang on, look at the side he's got at his, at his disposal, look at the money he can spend. There's still got to be a managerial now, there's still got to be. That does the business. They've still got to do something. And know? just just having that player, that's a, you know, having the remarkable football, you've still got to get the very best out of the remarkable football. It's going to be just as difficult as getting. Decent performances out of mediocre players. Exactly, and it's a, it's a different set of challenges that you've got to then yeah. reach, and you've got to you've got to match, and that's what he's done. And I don't, I you know, I think it'd be a great shame if if what Rodgers is doing is getting repeatedly brushed under the carpet off the basis of the fact that we can talk about about Suarez. You know, I think it's fantastic to talk about Suarez, but let's you know make clear that there's other people who are doing stuff here. I, you know, you look at the difference in John Flanagan as a footballer between now and when Liverpool effectively last saw him properly, which is, you know, when he got a little run of games under Kenny. He looks a completely different player and he might have developed anyway into that sort of footballer and a lot of it's down to his own application and his own ethic, but he's been put in an environment where if you put that application in and that ethic in, this is the player he can become. You see that when when Rodgers celebrated down the line with him on, uh, against Spurs, that was something you, you you never associate with Liverpool, and you know for for, for all 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 the hype around Liverpool Football Club and how amazing and you know, what a fantastic institution they've been over the years, and you never actually associate that sort of. I mean, it's it's like it's it's almost. You know, it's na- it's a, it's a natural thing to do. It's like when Mourinho did it when Porto scored yeah. the United, that sort of thing. It's you know, it's it's alpha male. It's like it's you know proper 
what you'd see on a Sunday league when you're playing with your mates, you, that pride. And I never normally associate Liverpool with that. And you see him seeing such a, that come from a local lad in Flanagan. And it, you know, it's, it's really refreshing to see. And it's because you associate Liverpool with finished products. Yeah. And that's the key thing. Liverpool have always been pretty regularly associated with finished products. And I think this is now for the, the, the first time. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm including a lot of Benitez's achievements in this. Benitez comes in off the back of what Julier had done. Julier did have to rebuild um, a fair amount, but it was it was a different time there, and it, he wasn't coming from his lower base. There was Owen, there was Fowler, there was you know there was there was players like that around. He did have to rebuild, and then you go back and you've got Paisley's side that follows Shankly's side. Liverpool have had to some degree had to rebuild um, a process that was started by Dalglish and has now continued on through what Rodgers is doing. But Rodgers is coming of age as a manager at the same time as his players are. Do you think he's changed that? You know, we, we, you spoke about the weight of the share comment, things like that. Do you think he's changed that environment? As in, you could see somebody like Jordan Henderson coming in. Say if Jordan Henderson signed for Liverpool now, as he did a, a few years ago under Dalglish. Do you think under Rodgers it'd be an easier transition than it was back under Dalglish? Possibly. I think that the key part about that though is that if you're coming into a winning team, everything's easier. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and at the minute this is a winning team, and hopefully it continues to be a winning team. But I think that that's the key part of this. That's the key aspect of it, which is, you know, I think that makes it easier. But it's more the invite. Is it working generally as a series of environmental factors? I'd like to think yes, it is. Mm. And I'd like to think that the players, are, you know, they're going in and they're developing themselves in the same way the manager is developing himself. And we were with, uh, I was with Rob Cooper watching the game on, um, on uh, Saturday. And at half time, after Liverpool had been remarkable in that first half, I thought Liverpool were terrific. It was another brilliant home Liverpool half. There's been a lot of good Liverpool halves. And they were great. And he came in and he actually quoted something out of Red or Dead to me, the Shankly book. Uh, we've got a hell of a team on our hands here, boys. <laughs> and that's the sort of, that's what I mean. In the same way that Shankly wasn't, didn't turn up to Liverpool as Bill Shankly, the one that there was in 1974. And that's not to compare Rodgers to Shankly in the sense that that's everything he's going to go on and achieve. Yeah. Because he may not do it, may fall flat. But it does feel as though there is, and it's something that you don't get to see very often, there's been a team built here. And it's now t- it's taken time, but there's been a team built and blocks have been put into place and slowly but surely and circumstances have had their say as well. And all of a sudden now you feel as though you're looking at something that's been built. It's not been happened upon, it's not been inherited, it's been built. And it's not finished, the building isn't finished yet, there's loads of building still to do, but we've got a hell of a team on our hands here, boys. And that's suddenly what, what gets your attention and gets you going. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Okay, all in the game, Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey talking in the break there, probably a little bit too much. And what we were talking about in the part before was team building, was about the idea that you, you, you've got a team that, that improves and it blocks and blocks and blocks and it comes up. And they grow together and I think Dave that is what's happening at Everton I think you've now got four or five players playing that Everton first first team who've come on 10, 15, 20% as footballers from what you can see week in week out in terms of uh, in terms of their performance there you know I'm, I'm thinking about um, Barkley obviously he's an easy one but you've got Barkley but you've also got players like Seamus Coleman you've got the fact that Phil Jagielka looks more like the accomplished centre-half he always threatened to be. Mm. Um, you know, it seems very, very at ease with being Phil Jagielka. You know, you've got um, you've got what Lukaku's doing in there uh, and you, you've had throughout the season odd performances from players like Naismith belying the fact that they've looked limited in, a, you know, in times gone by. It's fascinating, I think, this. And 
I think that the very thing I was talking about with Rodgers in the previous part is there with what Martinez is doing as well. He's getting these lads playing 10-15% better than they ever thought they could. Yeah, and it's like I said in the break, um, I think Martinez needs to be praised for being as much as a fantastic psychologist, as much as a, a tactical you know, top-draw manager because, yeah, he's changed things tactically and yet you'd expect that. Yeah, we're playing this brand of football that everyone lords and you, know, you said you look at Everton Liverpool playing the best football in the league yeah but the the real art to his management has come in getting the best out of those players who you think under David Moyes was you know looking back comparing the two there was a cap sort of put on what they could go and achieve there was a cap on what they perhaps thought they could go and achieve and I always hark back to this time when Moyes said when Everton can finish you know a seventh for Everton's really good season into the highest he can probably finish that that to me was the, probably one of the worst things a football manager can say this under Martinez um, he doesn't know how far Everton can go and I think that always needs to be the case when you're striving for success you, you can't be you know, held back. You can't be held by structures. You can't be held back by financial instability. Whatever it is, at the end of the day, you've got you've got eleven lads there who know that they're good footballers. You know, they've achieved in the past top six side in the Premier League. What this fella's come and done? He said, "Look, boys, you know you've achieved this, but what else have you got? Have you got anything else to offer me?" And each of them have come back with resounding answers. Where you bringing that extra fifteen percent? Seamus Coleman. Even though he was fantastic, Moyes pulled a real rabbit from the hat getting him over here. 60 grand from Ireland. Everyone talks about how much of a bargain he was. You look at him now, he looks like a, a top draw right back in the Premier League. Consistently, though. And that's the key as well, consistency. That wasn't necessarily... That game against Swansea, I'll put my neck on the line and say, we probably had drawn that against, with David Moyes in charge. And I was astonished with what Loudrup came out and said after the game about how Everton played for the draw by putting Nate Smith and Osman on. It's funny because they probably will be deemed as uh, defensive substitutions under David Moyes, whereas under Martinez, you bring Naismith and Osman on, they're, they're there to play attacking roles. It's, it's just a, it's really interesting to see the contrast between what Moyes would deem you know, a defensive substitution. Martinez puts it on, we're still going on to win the game. It, it, it's fascinating and I, I can't praise the man enough. And But, but really, the, the one sticking point in it that always is one with me as an Evertonian, I'm afraid that he make, he's making a, a rob for his own back. Uh, you know, as in a victim of his own success. You think he's, he's doing too much too soon, almost, and that, that that if he can't keep it going, then people start going, well, these players are better than this, you should be getting more out of them. Well, this. I'll put it this way, if Everton finish fifth this season, I think more than 70% of Everton fans will see that as a massive disappointment at this stage. Whereas I still think, on the face of it, compared to what we had in the summer when he came in, when Moyes left, from that point onwards... Fifth would be an, out, an outstanding achievement, but I still think it'll be seen as a massive disappointment, and that's the big challenge Martinez has got. Is managing so, that expectancy. What if, what, what if his Everton side finished ahead of either Rodgers' Liverpool side and finished fifth, or Moyes' Manchester United side and finished fifth? Would that still be the case? F finishing ahead of Liverpool always gets, a, 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 I'd say, a prob probably a majority of Everton fans content, I think. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, you'd probably go back. A couple of years, Everton finished seventeenth. Liverpool finished eighteenth. Everton have had a fantastic season. I think now it matters that much more because if you finish above Liverpool this season, you will be in the top four. I think, I, I think it's fascinating. I, I think on this though, I think it is this. It's what that man must be doing. You know what I mean? What he must be doing with these players, the work he's doing with them, how he's getting them to trust themselves and trust one another a lot more, and, and make those sorts of steps. Yeah. But I think that that's what's absolutely fascinating, and how he manages to be more so than I would say more so than um, than Rogers or equivalent to Rogers. How 
you know, maybe both of them are able to to slide a player in. The recent left back situation at both clubs, Oviedo yeah. and, and uh, Flanagan, suddenly players turn up who you haven't really seen this sort of stuff from and it looks like it's the easiest thing in the world for them like this is this is what they were they've always been doing this and that's absolutely fascinating it's this idea that you know we can we can drop players in and i i think osman's a really really good example of 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 what martinez is doing well because i think leon osman could easily get the hump at not starting and it'd be semi-understandable he could be thinking about moving on that'd be semi-understandable um he you know he's almost certainly the sort of player, you know, he's probably a big figure in that dressing room, he's significant, he's, he's an Evertonian through and through, been there for years. And instead, Martinez has got enormous buy-in from Osman. Osman's performances have been great. When he gets on the pitch, <coughs> he plays very much a game that's technical, that's impressive, that's bold, that's brave. You know, he's not in any way, shape or form taking a backward step, Osman. He seems completely committed to what's going on. And I think that reflects very, very well on the manager. That That's someone who's effectively a bit-part player. And as I say, you could understandably resent having become a little bit more of a bit-part player. Seems as essential as every other figure in that team. Well, a true reflection of that. It's very interesting you mentioned. Osman is that normally in situations like this where you see um, you know a, a local a local lad who's wore the share for so many hundred games or whatever being at the club over 10 years you normally see them coming out and saying I'm going to fight for my place here I deserve to be starting there's none of that from Leon Osman there's an understanding of what his role is within the side and I think that again you know massive credit to Martinez the fact that he's gone to that lad who like you say could easily spit the dummy out I know he's not that kind of character but it would be understandable like you say for him to say you know I should be starting here I'm the club captain you know why has Jackie L got the armband whatever Martinez has made him understand that role and there's another thing I heard and read this week that Martinez when he picks his team he goes to each and every one of them and tells them why yeah, and why not to start Greg O'Keefe said this on one week yeah. on the show when we had him on the phone and he explains to them why they're not starting I think that's phenomenal management yeah. what they can do differently what they can learn where they can grow but also being able to explain your decision making process and not and therefore you're keeping everyone everyone should feel part of the group mm. you know what I mean the manager's not got the attitude of the, the, the legendary sort of shankly attitude of you know if you've got a broken leg you're, not, you're no longer a Liverpool yeah. player I don't even want to look at you so when you're around the <laughs> yeah. place and all that sort of stuff it's the the attitude of you know it's very much um, quite, quite a fresh approach of you know I'll speak to each of them and therefore then they are literally in the manager's thought they know they're yeah. in the manager's thoughts because the manager has to think about them to bring them into a room and then speak to them and to know therefore that you know I'm not, I haven't got my game for seven consecutive weeks but the manager is still knows enough about me what I'm doing on the training field and what he's doing on the pitch to be able to speak to me I think that's absolutely fantastic It's incredibly clever because you know it, it's easy for, for Martinus to say hang on Osman you're not playing because you're not one of our best 11 players That whilst that may be true the lad doesn't need to know that. The lad doesn't need to believe that. If he's going and talking to him, saying to him, look, you're on the bench for this reason, because of the, ta- the tactical setup that we're going for this week, because of the opposition, you know. But it, what's, what's it, interesting, it's incredible, incredible belief in those substitutes. Neil's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You've got sitting there, probably hasn't played all season. You know, all right, yeah, he probably is discontent and probably wants to leave the club. Martinez is sitting there saying to him, look, you know, you look at Lukaku, you're giving him something to aspire to, rather than saying you're not good enough. But the key thing is as well, the key thing about Osman within this is, Osman can come on in any one of those five midfield positions and can come on and can genuinely contribute. Mm. And the manager's able to say that to him. And in a sense, you know, Osman can have the inter- the, 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 the notion... I'm, I'm this fella's first sub. Yeah. Whenever there's a problem, I'm going to have to come on and solve it. It's a key it. role, isn't it? Yeah, that is a key role, yeah. the idea that I am the man who comes on and solves the problems. So you've got two games. You've got Stoke. You've got Sun, uh, Stoke and Sunderland. No, no, Sunderland, Southampton. Sunderland, Southampton. 
before we next speak, if we do indeed speak next Monday, I'm never quite sure of the schedule here anymore. Um, <laughs> what would you be going for? Well, I remember we, we spoke last week and I said my total from the four festive games was eight minimum. I've revised that to ten because I thought we'd draw against Swansea. So I think we will get either six from the two home games or four from the two home games and then go and beat Stoke. And then we'll get a draw against either Stoke or Southampton. You think a draw against either Stoke or Southampton? Yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting game, that Southampton game. I think it'll be, I, I, in the way in which I think that the most interesting game on Boxing Day is Liverpool's, I think the most interesting game isn't actually Chelsea-Liverpool on the on the uh, 28th and 29th. I think the most interesting game is Everton versus Southampton. I think it's a real marker point for the it's two huge, managers, for yeah. the two sides, seeing where they're up to. And this gap that we've spoken about before, if Southampton are going to close it, they're going to have to go to Goodison mm-hmm. and get, get, at the very least, not lose and get a bit of a result in there if they're going to have a chance of beginning to close that gap. Um, I'm in a weird position because in a sense and this is where I've talked before about points on the board versus results in a sense two points is better for, than, for Liverpool than three in a sense drawing both of those given games would be better yeah. given the opposition but nonetheless I think that you know if Liverpool win either of those games then anything to get from the other one can just be seen as a bonus and then it's back to Hull because Liverpool's then games leading in, in January up into the Merseyside derby are eminently winnable listen go away have a lovely Christmas but have a Christmas yeah. full of football belief football optimism football cheer football cheer it's rare we get that sort of chance in this city both together at the same time have all that chat around the Christmas table uh, Neil Atkinson Dave Downey all in the game hopefully back next Monday you never know it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9